Hello, and welcome to Catalyst, the Travel and Purpose podcast. Today, I'll be talking with Victoria Lazaro about her project, Macy. Victoria is based in Nicaragua, where she's founded the nonprofit Macy that works with rural off-grid communities and offers co-giving trips for travelers. Catalyst is the online platform about social action and travel. These podcasts are a series of conversations about social impact and travel. I'm Eden Flaherty, and I'm going to be your host. Hello, Victoria, and welcome to Travel and Purpose. Thanks for having me, Eden. It's a pleasure. To kick us off, can you tell us a bit about Nicaragua and specifically the area where you're based? Sure. So Nicaragua is the largest country in Central America, and our project is based in the southern Pacific coast, nearly on the border to Costa Rica. And what kind of projects do you run there? So right now we have a nonprofit that's operating. We are called the Macy Movement. Basically, we do development projects with rural off-grid jungle communities, finding alternatives for them to live within their time and their space and for community members to be able to activate the resources that they have as a source of opportunity for them. Right now, we have a women's workshop that's in progress. We are making handmade recycled paper solely out of trash and recycled resources using natural fibers from the jungle and trash from the kids' old homework paper to make new paper to supply for the school and also as an outlet for women to have an opportunity, which is something that is not very common, let's say, in Nicaragua. That sounds like an awesome project. Just to go briefly back to the first question for a second, could you maybe tell us a bit more about the culture and geography of the regions that you work in? What does it look like? How does it feel there? Sure. So we have two projects. The first project runs about an hour and a half outside of the fishing village San Juan del Sur. And then the other project is based in Playa Madeiras, which is about 20 minutes from San Juan del Sur. So the first project is a jungle community living completely off-grid, surrounded by 11 riverbeds. They have an immense rainy season and a very dry, dry season. Most of the community members are sharing hand-dug wells of about 10 meters deep. And during dry season, they're digging in the riverbeds for water. In the expat village of Playa Madeiras, which is where most of the, let's say, the people who come on these co-giving trips is where we stay. The expat village is about 100 people. And it's a really cool, you can surf twice a day. It's a really cool area. And yeah, it's people, travelers from all over, from Germany, from mainly a lot of Europeans, a lot of Canadians, and people who are just coming to kind of live a little bit off-grid. And you mentioned the co-giving trips there, so perhaps that's a good time to transition into that. Can you tell us a bit more about what exactly a co-giving trip is, what it involves, and how it ties in to the other side of Macy, the nonprofit side? So we design these co-giving trips as an act of impact and adventure, somewhat like ecotourism, where they come down to Nicaragua. We stay in this cool little surfy expat village, lots of really interesting people around, a lot of people co-working, staying down here long term. And then on the other hand, we spend a few days also doing impact in the local community that's completely off-grid. Now it's an adventure itself just to get to the community because we're driving through riverbeds to actually get there. Like I said, it's completely off-grid. It's about an hour and a half from where we stay in the expat village of Playa Madeiras. And during 
the community visits that we do during the co-giving trips, we basically focus on just being together and how can we combine two separate drastic backgrounds into one sort of way of being. And these co-giving trips are designed for any and everybody. I mean, we have people from college students all the way to people in their mid fifties that are joining these trips. And basically they're really designed for people to gather and just be like, really put the being back into human being. And what does that mean for us? You know, there's no specific demographic of people that can come on these groups. And that's the beauty of it all is that we're really engaging with people who live completely completely off grid. And we are also, you know, activating certain emotional activities within ourselves. And you mentioned it's, you know, adventure impact. Could you maybe explain in a little bit more detail what the interaction with communities actually involves? And on the flip side, what other kind of adventure aspects would you say were involved? So I'll kind of break it down to you. So the co-giving trips are about seven days long. Like I said, we stay in the village of Playa Madera, super cool little expat village. We wake up, we do yoga, we travel about an hour and a half into the community. Like as mentioned, that's an adventure in itself. And during our time in the community, every visit is different pending the project. In the past, we've done some emotional educational projects, we've built toilets. And now with the women's project, we're really hyper focused on creating this women's space and working with the women to learn from them also how to create paper and also just learning what it takes to make something and have an opportunity completely out of trash and recycled resources. So that is a little bit, it's, it's really about connection and engagement. And then in the afternoons, we head back and we surf. In the afternoons, we have community dinners. And then we do hikes on typically the Sundays that we have off. It's a lot of surfing. It's a lot of hiking. It's a lot of just being together, community dinners. And yeah, people usually walk away extremely changed from these trips. You mentioned there about the project with the women's handmade paper. Could you tell us a bit more about that? We, we've been in the community now for about five years, let's say. So about a year ago, we activated paper making process with the women because we had the problem that the school did not have enough resources supplied to them. And a lot of times that the kids were not going to school because the kids living in the jungle communities travel 0.7 kilometers to actually go to school. And a lot of times the mothers do not want them to go to school. So the idea is to build a safe space for women that's actually located behind the school and the women to have an opportunity so that the women can travel with their kids to school. And when I say travel, I mean walk with their children to school. So the women have an opportunity behind the school and more children are attending school. And this is something that is a big challenge in Nicaragua. A lot of kids not attending school, especially in the rural communities. They typically stop going to school at the age of 12, but even before the age of 12, they're typically only attending about one or two days a week. So we're hoping that with this women's space behind the school, the kids will also be going to school. It's also an activity for the mothers and the children to engage with each other because we're recycling the kids' old homework paper into new paper. And the women, for the first time, have an opportunity to support their families, which is very important. In the act of making paper, we don't go in with any sort of infrastructure. We just kind of go in as human beings and really we support each other and they support us in empowerment. 
And that process is really beautiful to see how solely out of trash and natural fibers from coconut husks and tree sap, can we make something that's actually sustainable for their children and also as an outlet for them to have an opportunity. You mentioned that you've been in that community for around five years now. Could you tell us what brought you to Nicaragua in the first place and how you decided to launch Macy there? Sure. So actually what first brought me to Nicaragua, I was doing soccer clinics for kids at orphanages. And it's kind of a long story that needs to happen over a cup of tea, how I stumbled across this rural jungle community. But basically, we were working with an orphanage that was kind of in the same region of Rivas, which is basically the southern Pacific coastal portion of Nicaragua. And we had heard about this school that was built by a Canadian organization and kind of run down. And, you know, we were a group of six people teaching soccer. And we were like, let's go there. Let's go to the rural community. And we had through the grapevine, we ended up finding out where it was and how we could get there. And we took three hours on an ox cart, which is basically like a wooden cart that's put with two ox at the front. And we were six people on the back with soccer gear. And we arrived in this community that had about 17 kids, none of them were attending school and this school that was just completely run down with resources. So I just kind of fell in love with the idea of working in this developing community and seeing how important it was for these kids to have education. Like they were, they were so active. So I just kind of started Macy specifically for this community, to be quite honest. And we were able to, during the first co-giving trip, we were able to raise enough funds to support being able to start an organization and refix the school and get all those 17 kids back in school. So that's the idea. That first co-giving trip in 2017 was actually the one that activated the project and also was the idea of these kind of ecotourism trips and how they can support giving back in a sense of being. So now the co-giving trips are actually designed so that they provide for the nonprofit as well. And before coming to Nicaragua, you mentioned a couple of times that your work in orphanages, but I understand that you lived and worked in Ethiopia for a while. Could you tell us a bit more about that? Sure. So yeah, I was working in developing communities as well. I was mainly working at a school for another organization. And yeah, working in developing communities is always something that just has intrigued me. And in Ethiopia, it was, you know, Ethiopia is one of the poorest countries in the world. So in that sense, I always enjoyed East African culture and being able to work with kids in that dynamic. I mean, there were kids just being dropped off at this orphanage every single day. That sort of way of being and seeing these developing communities and how human beings were struggling in these developing communities was really important to me. And, you know, for me, being able to start Macy was a sense of, okay, how can I find a balance of living and giving back? And this was important in the sense, and this is just like how, why I support ecotourism so much is how can we travel, but also give back? How can we travel and have an impact? And for me, it's the same thing. How can I live and give back? How can I live and have an impact? And this is why I actually ended up from Ethiopia to Nicaragua is because Nicaragua is a really cool place that has this sort of expat community that you can kind of have this sort of 
personal life and also be able to make sure that you're giving back to the local community. You can live environmentally friendly and so forth. So that was kind of my hop over from Ethiopia to Nicaragua. But as the sense of working in developing communities, the sense of humanity and growth and lack of, let's say, is really strong. You just listed off a number of really good reasons for living in Nicaragua there. But for a lot of people, they probably associate it more with political instability and even a certain level of danger to travelers. Is this true? And what are your kind of thoughts about this? Yes, from a political standpoint, there is a lot of struggle for the citizens here in Nicaragua. You can also, obviously, you know, the media definitely blows things up in the sense of travel and traveling here. And yes, there are some difficulties in the sense of coming and going. It's not the most easy or welcoming way to get into the country. And especially now with COVID, it's quite difficult to actually enter through the capital because there's only one airline, you know. But as far as safety goes, we're not sending our co-givers into the capital at night, right? We're working with rural communities, the expat communities, like you're surrounded by nature. It doesn't really jeopardize the way of being here for travelers. The political situation jeopardizes the way of citizens living in the environment here. And as far as entering and going, you know, we've hosted now three co-giving trips during the pandemic, and it's been okay. We've had some difficulties with people crossing the borders and getting into the country. But as far as safety goes, I mean, it's fine. Like, you, you know, you're living in rugged environments, of course, and you're living in nature. So we're living in their home. And it's interesting because obviously it takes an adjustment for many people to transition from society into kind of living off grid a little bit and living with nature, but specifically in the expat community, like there's so many people traveling here. I mean, they say that Nicaragua will be the next up and coming Costa Rica, but due to its political situation, it's kind of, you know, it trips over its own feet a little bit. So there's a few different variations, let's say to it, but as far as people traveling here, I mean, tourism it stopped in 2018 when they went through a political crisis, but it's picking back up now. And I think that it'll continue to rise, especially as people are traveling and taking more risks due to COVID and so forth. Which takes us on to our next point, actually. How did COVID affect Nicaragua? How did it affect you? And how did it affect your co-giving trips? It affected me in the sense that on a personal level, I was basically stuck in Nicaragua for two years. But I don't think that that is a negative effect, to be honest, because it's a place that's full of nature and being in nature and near the ocean is a place that also allows you to learn a lot about yourself. So, but it did affect like when COVID first hit, I was running a volunteer group, a co-giving trip and the borders to Costa Rica were actually about to close. And in order to get to where we are, a lot of people actually fly into Costa Rica, into Liberia, and cross the border from there. So since Costa Rica was going to close their borders, all of the co-givers had to like immediately leave. So it was, you know, it was obviously everything in a frantic during that time. And we had to cancel two co-giving trips after that. And then obviously in the last year, we could only run two. And then this year, it's obviously slow. You know, it's still slow. In the past, we would run, let's say, four in a year. And now we're only running like one or two, just because it is difficult for people to get into the country. But I mean, it's fine. It's not super intense or known. Like this locals of Nicaragua, 
everyone now just got the vaccines. So it's getting much easier now for people to travel here as well. But yeah, so we are also are running co-giving trips again this March. And we have a lot of people that are interested in also coming too. So I think that people are traveling again. And in Nicaragua specifically, the COVID situation is, it's, I can't say it's bad or good. It's just a little bit unknown because they don't have the proper testing and so forth. But now they're picking up speed to get the proper testing and they have the vaccine and they're offering boosters. So that's good to hear. And finally, how can listeners get in touch with you and get in touch with Macy, either to find out more or if they're interested in one of your co-giving trips? Sure. So they can get in touch with me at my email, which is victoria at org. It's M-A-Y-S-E-A movement.org. You can also just look up Macy Movement Nicaragua. You can look up a community for communities, Nicaragua. You can look up co-giving, Nicaragua, like any of those Google terminologies will probably come up. But you can also just shoot me an email. I'm also happy to always provide my phone number as well, just because if people want to come co-give, I always am a very personal person. So my phone number is plus one seven five four four two two eight six zero seven. So email, WhatsApp, any you know, contacting me via the website, anything is totally fine with me. Awesome. And you mentioned there you have trips starting in March. How many have you got planned for next year? So we have two trips in March. The first one runs from March 3rd to March 8th. And the second one runs from March 17th to March 22nd. And they are still open. We still have some space available. And you can actually go onto the website and also request an invite if people are interested in joining. And again, these trips are maxed out at about six people because we keep them in very intimate environments as well. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us on Travel and Purpose. If you have your own Travel and Purpose stories to share and feel they'd be right for our podcast, let us know by emailing info at catalyst.cm and we'll try to get in touch for you to join us on one of our next conversations. You can find more Travel and Purpose podcasts as well as articles, videos and more at catalyst.cm.